Many people might be surprised, maybe unpleasantly surprised, that routing on the global internet has for many years been built pretty much on trust relationships. So in years past, and to an extent today, there was very little to protect the entire internet community from malicious people spoofing IP address spaces and entire autonomous systems. And there was very little governance protecting the security of routing among providers and all manner of other organizations with an internet presence. Relationships that the rest of us, actually using the internet every day, rely on without even realizing it. Manners, or the mutually agreed norms for routing security, was started specifically to set forth security principles and guidelines for routing security on the global internet. So with us today is Aftab Siddiqui with the Internet Society and a key person in the Manners Initiative. And we'll be discussing Manners and what he and his organization are doing to protect internet routing for all of us around the world. My name is Philip Gervasi, and this is Telemetry Now. Aftab, thanks so much for joining today. I've been looking forward to this for a long time, especially uh, after doing so much research. So I have a lot of questions for you. Looking forward to picking your brain on some things. But before we get into that, would you mind giving our audience just a little bit of background of yourself, your experience in the networking industry, and of course, the Manners Initiative? Right. Thank you, Phil. Uh, thank you for the invite. Um, yes. So I'm Aftab Siddiqui, uh, working for Internet Society. Um, I have spent close to... Uh, 15 years in the in this industry, uh, spend most of my time uh, in the service provider sector, ISPs, running uh, routing protocols most of my life, um, and then looking at how they are behaving on the global routing table. Then um, I end up with Internet Society, um, and it's been more than five years now, uh, and I have been working on mostly on the Manners Initiative. Uh, an initiative which is supported by Internet Society um, since the very beginning. Um, and I've been part of this uh, initiative uh, since then. Great. Thank you. And I would like to get into uh, what the Internet Society is all about a little bit more. But first, uh, I'd also like to introduce our co-host for the day, Doug Mattery. No, no stranger to telemetry now, and I'm sure to our audience as well. So, Doug, welcome. And if you wouldn't mind introducing yourself to our audience. Yeah, sure. So, yes, I'm uh, Doug Midori, the Director of Internet Analysis for Kentic, and uh, I have been uh, doing BGP analysis in one way or another for the last uh, 12 and a half years or something when I started uh, at a company called Renesis, uh, and I started in that job uh, doing data QA, just finding errors and stuff uh, in our our products that were based on BGP, I kind of got into the subject, uh, felt like I could find a lot of novel, uh, novel, interesting things. And um, the rest is history. I've been uh, doing that as a main part of my job every day for uh, over a decade. And so some of the issues in BGP are routing security. Uh, that's probably one of the biggest issues that uh, people grapple with in this space. And so I've had, since Manners began a number of years ago, I've always had overlapping interests with uh, that group and the folks involved, uh, you know, starting with Andrei Robachevsky. Um, and, and we would be in, there'd be a lot of uh, back channel discussions of like, if we're seeing something, we would have a conversation or something we can help them with. Uh, so we've, we've always had a, a com some common interests and, um, and tried to be supportive of, of each other, uh, our, ourselves as, 
BGP analysts and uh, uh, subject matter experts, and then their uh, their effort at trying to advocate for routing hygiene is what we uh, like to call it of just uh, best practices in BGP routing. Great, thanks, Doug. And so to get us started, uh, Aftab, would you give us a explanation of what the Internet Society is all about? Yeah, why not? Um, well, uh, Internet Society is a uh, not-for-profit um, uh, organization uh, based in uh, Virginia, uh, in the U.S. Uh, it's a, a 501c3 um, organization, but its its main purpose is um, I mean, if you go into the uh, vision, uh, it's a very, it's a broader vision which says internet is for everyone. Uh, but what they have been doing for uh, more than 25 years um, is to make sure that the internet is available to everyone and it's been, uh, it remains open. Um, and the statement we use is globally connected, secure, and trustworthy. Um, a secure part is where uh, the manners comes in. Uh, we have uh, multiple other initiatives, which is uh, related to supporting the internet exchange point development, making sure the uh, the technical community, most importantly, is uh, very well connected uh, with each other. So sustainability of these uh, technical communities, making sure that, as I said, uh, the globally connected um, to provide uh, community networks where uh, there is no uh, service and internet connectivity, help them um, with uh, the connectivity as well. And of course, making sure that the policy work is in line with our um, mission and vision. Uh, so provide the policy support um, to different aspects, uh, in, in different aspects as well. So in, in general, this is what Internet Society has been doing for more than 25 years. So is Manners an initiative of the Internet Society, or is it something that's more broad? It is uh, an initiative. Uh, I would call it an initiative supported by the Internet Society, because uh, if you look at uh, uh, the history of the Manners, um, as, as Doug mentioned a moment ago, that um, uh, it, it started early uh, in 2014. Uh, it wasn't called uh, Manners at that time. It was uh, called Routing Resiliency. Um, so it was more of a, okay, fine, let's sit together um, and, on a, um, and discuss how uh, routing is important, what are the issues in the routing, and how can we all resolve it together. So it was more of a um, uh, roundtable, or we, what we call it these days, uh, a fireside chat, which started with uh, some of the industry leaders um, and who are very much interested in the routing security at that time. And then it started rolling from there, and then it became a, an initiative which ISOC, uh, Internet Society, said we will support them uh, wholeheartedly. Uh, so the support is uh, mostly comes from the staff member as uh, as myself and other staff member who make sure that um, uh, there is a consist consistent uh, support available to the community. But of course, it is um, uh, run and um, managed by most of the community members. So, uh, for example, if I can quickly explain the structure of the uh, manners, we do have a steering steering committee. A steering committee uh, has elected uh, members from the community, um, and they have multiple tenures, uh, and we have done two elections so far. 
um, and uh, we have a chair um, who's Warwick Mitchell based out of Perth, Australia. Uh, we have a uh, co-chair who is uh, at the University of Washington uh, as well, Andrew Gallo. So uh, they are the people who make uh, the strategic decisions about the manners. Of course, the operational and secretariat uh, work is done by the staff, uh, including myself. So, uh, but we have made sure that the uh, overall uh, strategy is always uh, made by the community themselves rather than internet society. So routing security is certainly a poignant name, but uh, manners, I mean, that, that really works. So I get it. That's, that's great. Uh, but I want to ask, uh, why is it routing security, global routing security, that is your main concern? What is the specific problem that you've identified that you're trying to solve? Yeah, that's interesting. Okay, so um, as we were discussing this morning, as I'm attending Apricot uh, uh, in Philippines, Manila, and this is what we were discussing, that uh, why writing security? Um, and the point is, um, and I, I, I raise this point quite, um, uh, quite often, that whenever we talk about cybersecurity, and whenever you read about a cybersecurity uh, paper or anything, most of the time, uh, they are trying to address anything above layer three. So nobody talks about uh, what is happening on the underlying layer. Um, and that is the biggest problem at the moment that um, you need to send packet from one point to another. You need to transfer your data from one point to another. That requires security as well. Why nobody is concerned about that? And uh, we have seen in the past that so many incidents have <clears throat> happened <clears throat> in the past. And um, it is actually the baseline of how the data is transferred from one place to another. Same is the case with the physical security. I mean, people put um, uh, armed guards in front of the data center, uh, but then they are not putting any security in the routing uh, layer, then, well, uh, there is a problem somewhere. So, yeah, that's 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 why we believe that it is very important to for at least someone to pay attention to that. There's a lot of people who do pay attention, so what we are doing is making sure that we gather them all around, so we make sure that uh, everybody is equally interested in that. Yeah, and from a technical perspective, there really is very little that, that we can do to prevent an individual or, or an organization from advertising routes and prefixes out into the global routing table. So are we trying to prevent now uh, security vulnerabilities that will ultimately lead to sections of the global internet being taken down, or maybe even uh, rerouting of traffic for malicious purposes? What are we actually trying to prevent from happening here? We have seen all three of them, all three of the categories which you, which you have mentioned, and we see them on, at times, daily basis. I mean, um, um, I do not remember any single day when you do not see a single event not happening at all. Um, yes, uh, we, we can always debate uh, whether they were malicious or not, um, and I, in my, in my opinion, they, they in, in many cases, these are just mistakes. Um, uh, sometimes uh, just honest mistakes people do make on the internet. Well, because it's, uh, uh, the problem is, uh, the best thing about the internet is, of course, it's, uh, uh, it's a network of networks. It means if one network make a mistake, well, it will be uh, propagated quite quickly. Uh, so that is one problem. But of course, uh, when there's so many incidents happening, it is 
we cannot just close our eyes and say, well, everything is just a mistake. Of course, there are um, bad actors um, on the Internet um, and running some networks, and they do want to exploit these uh, mistakes people make. Uh, and that's why we have seen um, uh, some bad actors trying to hijack um, some Ether wallet. It was... Um, uh, back in, I think, 2018 or 19, when this happened. Um, and then uh, there was a recent case in um, South Korea where, when another crypto uh, exchange, war, uh, exchange was uh, attacked in the similar manner. Um, and then rerouting the traffic is, is also very common. Um, again, it can happen because of a mistake, but you can, we have seen that... Um, some state actors and malicious um, entities have rerouted traffic to jeopardize the uh, traffic plus uh, make sure that the uh, there is an outage in some part of the world or some in some countries so it's everywhere it's it's hard to say it's hard to pinpoint that it was malicious or not but it is happening so we have to treat it as a, a, a problem to resolve Okay, interesting. So it's not just about security in the classic sense, like bad guys trying to do bad things, but it's also about routing hygiene, or in other words, how people do routing on this interrelated global internet that thing that we have, uh, and ultimately uh, propagating best practices among engineers and organizations to do routing correctly. Yes, it is. Um, the, the the most important thing we... Um, uh, we we are trying to convince every operators. Number one, managers technology agnostic. We are not hell-bent on one form of technology. Oh, you have to do this only. We are saying we would like to achieve this target. Uh, no matter how you want to do it, that's fine. There are best practices to achieve these things. Let's follow the best practices. Best practices designed by the people who have been operating networks for decades. Best practices which are um, uh, very well understood by the ITF uh, as part of the BCPs and the RFCs. So follow those uh, to make sure that the uh, reliability and resiliency in the internet remains as it is. Yes. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, uh, considering that the internet, the global internet, is the mechanism that we use to deliver services and applications all over the world. And a lot of those applications and services are mission critical. I mean, there's governments relying on it, healthcare, uh, our businesses, uh, educational systems. Now, uh, what you mentioned, though, is that you're seeing issues occur almost every single day. So I have to imagine that there is some sense of urgency in what you and what your organization does. Yes, absolutely. I mean, um, it's, it's a famous thing that we only... Mostly, we are concerned about things which uh, which are newsworthy, uh, but it it doesn't mean that it is not happening. And again, uh, another point we mentioned most of the time is um, that just because it did not impact you doesn't mean it did not happen. So um, yeah, so if it is happening in one part of the world, most likely um, you will not be impacted on the other side of the world. Um, or if it is, if for example, if something happened in Australia, um, uh, where I'm um, residing, 
I'm pretty sure half of the US will be sleeping at that time. So if something happens, um, yes, the impact will be uh, very small. But of course, uh, we need um, uh, the the network reliability is uh, is more important at that time now. That we have to make sure that something if something happens, it is as addressed properly. So yes, things are happening. It's just we are not aware of them on daily basis. Okay, so so we did discuss very briefly that pretty much anyone can advertise whatever network they want into the global routing table. What what is Manners specifically addressing uh, with regard to routing security, routing hygiene? I have to imagine that the ability to advertise whatever you want is one of those things, right? Yes, uh, absolutely, it is one of them. Um, for uh, so, let me go through um, the actions, what we call it, um, uh, in Manners Initiative. Uh, for example, the first action um, is that you make sure that you only announce what you are, um, what you should be announcing only. Nothing less, nothing more. Of course, you can do less, but please do not announce anything more than that. Um, and based on certain uh, uh, rules and regulation, for example, what you can announce. Um, we are talking about IP address resources, so uh, IPv4 or IPv6 uh, addresses. And you only announce that because you have been delegated from your respective RIR, which is Regional Internet Registry. Um, so if, you, if your RIR has allocated certain resources to you, well, you can only announce that. So make sure that you do that. Plus, if you are a service provider, you have downstream customers. Um, so you, it's your responsibility to make sure that what you are receiving from your down, downstream customers is also authentic. It's also verifiable before you send it to the internet. So that the your whole customer cone is your responsibility. Uh, so this is the most important action. What we believe is the BGP filtering. Do not announce anything you are not supposed to announce. Uh, so, yes, as you mentioned, uh, this is one of the biggest issue uh, that uh, and in the past it was, OK, just open to everything. You announce everything which is possible you can. Um, but now in the in in today's world, it is much more important to make sure that uh, the right filters are in place uh, for any announcement. Now, moving into the uh, second action, which is um, uh, anti spoofing, uh, where the where networks can uh, change the source address uh, or um, when and when the traffic goes out on the internet of course they will not come they will not come back uh, to the same network because someone has changed the source address so it will go to the uh, address uh, i mean it will go to the specific source address that creates amplification attacks um, and more than 24 Five years ago, if not, if I'm not mistake, mistaken, uh, the uh, BCP38 uh, was uh, released, and since then, um, everybody is trying to convince the operators to implement that. But it's still not there yet. It's it's uh, far away because, of course, there are some technical limitations in the operator side. But of course, uh, that's not been implemented yet. Aftab, if I could just interrupt you, can you quickly explain what BCP38 is? Uh, yes, BCP38 is, uh, uh, for example, uh, as I mentioned, it is the source address validation. 
for example um, you have a you have a customer uh, which is uh, using certain IP addresses um, it could be anything I'm just for the example I'm giving a private address example it is for example 192.168.0.0 slash 24 right it's a slash 24 address and um, they are using it in their network well it is their down it is your downstream customer um, and when they when they send traffic whenever you receive traffic you are you are always interested in destination because you need to send it towards the destination. In normal circumstances, you do not look at what from where it is coming in from because it's coming from your, your customer, so you just believe in that. But you do not look at that what is the source address of that. In routing, it's always the destination. If you do not look at the source address, what will happen if I change the source address? Of course, you will send the traffic out, but it will not come back because the source address has changed. It will go to the address where it is pointing it to now, which is the new source address. And if 100 networks do the same thing, you create an amplification attack towards one destination. Every source address belongs to, for example, network A, and every response coming back will go to network A and then they will receive a distributed denial of service attack, which is the DDoS. Um, DDoS uh, not implementing source address validation is one of the causes of the uh, DDoS attacks. Not the only one, of course, but um, one of the uh, causes, yes. But in a, in, a, in a nutshell, BCP38 is just saying um, you shouldn't be sending out traffic with a source uh, source address or return address that's not uh, address uh, address hand, uh, destined for the, the the customer or where you're getting that traffic from. I'm I'm bungling that, but uh, uh, <clears throat> yeah, you should be checking the source address on outbound traffic uh, to make sure that the person who's sending it is actually can receive it. Uh, otherwise. Yeah, you you create this uh, scenario where you can <clears throat> launch amplification attacks, uh, and this is um, yeah, this is something that gets talked about uh, quite a bit uh, in the space, and it's uh, the source of a lot of uh, DDoS attacks. Yeah, and and honestly, these two actions that we've been discussing thus far, uh, route filtering, and then the anti-spoofing mechanisms they probably prevent a lot of the issues that could potentially happen with global routing. So what else is Manners doing specifically to address this issue? Yep, and it goes directly into our action number three, which is the coordination part, which is the human part. Um, and that is really very important. And what we have seen in the past that, um, again, uh, as, as we have said so many times, uh, whether uh, malicious or not, things do happen. Right. So incidents do happen. Um, if something is happening, for example, how do I reach out to the network operators? How do I reach out to the person who is responsible uh, for that network, which is generating a problem, uh, which is generating an attack, which is generating um, my resources from their network, uh, which we call it misorigination or um, the normal term some people use is hijack um, is. So how do, you, how do we contact them? And this is where the action three is most important, where we say, well, make sure 
that your network is contactable. Make sure that there's enough information available, which is publicly verifiable, that uh, anyone con can contact you. I mean, you don't have to put your personal numbers on the internet, but of course, um, your network, I mean, you should be reachable via email, an email which belongs to a team which is monitoring it. A phone number in case, just in case there is a knock phone number or service or help desk phone number is there. So we request all the operators and we, it's mandatory in actions that you have to have an email address available through the RIR um, Whois databases and through peering DB, which is again peering DB is one of the most important. Um, uh, I would call it a portal for uh, network operators across the globe, which they use to make sure that uh, the relevant information is there. So we encourage everybody to every operator whoever joins us, whether if even they don't join us, it's okay. Please do the best thing. So yes, this is the this is the uh, human factor um, embedded in the action three. Yeah, the, the people part makes a lot of sense to me. Those open lines of communication are going to do a lot, I have to imagine, to securing those relationships between providers and other providers, providers and customers uh, on the global internet. Um, in fact, it reminds me of that example of when you get a phishing email um, and you see that it's from somebody you know, perhaps an executive at the company, all you might need to do is call up that executive if you can and ask, did you send this email? And then verify, again, just an open line of communication to help secure uh, your, your network infrastructure. Now, that aside, I know that there are some somewhat technical mechanisms that we can use to secure global routing, such as RPKI and ROA. Is Manners involved with that? Absolutely. Well, um, let me share you some, some insight, right? Um, as I mentioned, uh, the best thing about Manners is, of course, I'm associated with it, so of course I will call it it's the best thing, but uh, um, Manners is technology agnostic. Um, so when, when RPKI was um, is still in the works at IETF, um, the, the global validation part was still there. So how we were encouraging operators to do the global validation? Well, through the historical system, now we can call it, is the IRR, which is the Internet Routing Registry. Um, so we were encouraging everyone to make sure that uh, they create uh, route objects um, and make sure the, that information is up to date uh, so that everybody else can verify this information. That was going so far, of course, um, and if anyone who's listening uh, and do understand IRR, then they can, I mean, they must be smiling right now that how bad the IRR ecosystem is. Uh, so, yes, uh, but that was the only solution at that time. Fast forward a little um, couple of more years uh, since 2014, um, RPKI is started taking really good shape. Um, the, uh, the Reliant Party software were getting better. Um, RIRs were getting better in terms of providing services. Um, uh, the vendors were getting, uh, were getting better in terms of providing the support for the RPKI. Uh, so things were getting uh, really, really good. So then at that time, um, uh, it was, uh, of course, being uh, technology agnostic, it was uh, added that 
now it is much more important to have um, RPKI uh, support in the global validation as well. So we now encourage every operator who uh, who has already joined or who is applying to join uh, as a participant that do create ROA as well, which is route origin authorization, which is an equivalent of the route object, but of course it is um, verifiable uh, through a PKI uh, infrastructure. And it is much more secure. You do not have to uh, update it on uh, daily basis. Of course, it's it's a renewable certificate. It will be updated uh, automatically. So these are the things which helps us uh, secure it uh, much better. And um, and of course, we do support RPKI in the uh, best possible manner. And um, just uh, FYI, I did a um, routing security tutorial just today at Apricord. And the focus of that uh, managed tutorial was only RPKI. So we are pushing RPKI to the fullest. Yes. So, so here are some of the uh, advantages of uh, the RPKI. When we talk about RPKI, we're really talking about RPKI ROV, route origin validation, is one particular application that sits on the RPKI infrastructure. Uh, the hope is there'll be future uh Applications like ASPA and PGPSEC, um, which we won't get into probably here, but uh, those will also rely on RPKI. It's been, a, uh, I think, synonymous uh, where we use RPKI to stand in for the one application that we've got built, which is ROV. But the um, just in a nutshell, the the advantages is that, um, especially as somebody as an, as an analyst who's trying to understand what's going on in uh, in, in internet routing, I think Aptab would probably agree with this that um, you know, at least RPKI ROV, there is one correct answer internet wide. Uh, you know that that, that there's, there's one uh, ground truth. Uh, it may not cover every AS or every route, uh, but because not everybody's made ROAs for all their routes, um, but. Um, it is a reliable pl- way to validate something in in contrast to the IR, the previous IRR based uh, solutions. You had a numerous sources uh, of um, of information, and some of them were of different levels of quality. And in fact, there are uh, a couple that are um, uh, of low level uh, low level of security, uh, as we found out in recent uh, recent years, were bad actors have been able to input uh, entries uh, to whitelist their bad uh, bad routes. And um, that's not something that's possible in RPI ROV. Uh, the other issue is that uh, each network ultimately, uh, if they're going to do route filtering, <laughs> is going to implement their own solution. And those solutions can kind of differ uh, depending on how they, you know, their design choices, engineering choices, so it becomes a little bit unpredictable as to how what's expected of any network. They, you could have two different big networks, both doing IRR-based filtering, and they could behave a little differently f- from one to the other. And um, uh, that unpredictability uh, and uh, that that's not great uh, for the for the system. We don't have that with the RPKI ROV. It is um, it is a uniform uh, thing. And um, yeah, we the fact that we've had. A lot about adoption in the last couple of years is a really great step forward uh, on this topic. 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. I completely agree with you, Doug. I mean, the fact is we are making incremental steps forward to secure global routing. Uh, it's, it's an iterative process like everything else, right? And it's very interesting to me that these four actions that we've been talking about, to me, they don't seem standalone whatsoever. They really all just seem to be so intertwined that it's kind of like they're kind of like four components of one big action, right? I mean, routing, uh, of course, filtering has to do with routing. Uh, there's people involved with these relationships and with the configurations and all these processes. So they all go together in my mind. Now, Aftab, you mentioned several key words here that I want to call out. You said the word join. You said the word member. You said the word encourage. What do you mean by that? What does it mean to join manners? What does it mean to be a member? And when you say encourage, I have to assume that you are not spelling out explicit configuration, but encouraging best practices and, and more outcomes, uh, and then encouraging folks to do what they need to do to get to that specific outcome. And uh, just to piggyback on that, what, what is a member? What does it mean to be a member of manners? Well, yes, uh, these are really very important um, words. Uh, so for example, um, one thing, which is uh, we we call uh, the networks who are part of the Manners Initiative, we call them participants, because they are participant in a uh, in a, in a in an initiative. Um, so um, so 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 they are not um, joining an exclusive club, of course. So they we call they don't, we don't call them members. We call them participant in this initiative. Um, um, so that is a slightly unique thing um, in the Manus Initiative. Um, number two is um, we do have an implementation guide. Uh, we do have implementation guide, um, and it has snippets of configuration uh, from different vendors. We have it from Cisco, from Juniper, from Arista, uh, from Nokia, from Microtech. Uh, it is all and it's all crowdsourced. Um, it it is done by the community. Uh, and it's, it, it resides in a uh, publicly available uh, GitHub repository, and anybody can go and uh, update it and send a pull request. Um, and we review it every quarter that if we have received any request or not. So yes, we do have an implementation guide. We do uh, provide the guideline, but our focus is on the outcome, as you mentioned. We would like you to do, we would like you to achieve this. If you want to achieve it with a different set of configurations, that's up to you. We are not forcing you to do this exactly. Implementation guide is just a guide. Uh, if you are not familiar with this, well, you can simply copy paste and it will work. But if you know your platform, if you know your um, business requirement, a technical requirement better than anybody else, of course, then you should implement the way uh, you are running your network. So, but we provide the guideline, but of course you do it yourself. Um, we are more concerned about the outcome. Okay. So a participant isn't required to use your configuration examples. I mean, I get it. They're encouraged to do so because they are best practices, but ultimately there isn't like an audit or anything, is there? Uh, no, there is, uh, no specific configuration audit. The audit we do is for the outcome again. So once someone, uh, uh, apply to join. We look at all the globally uh, uh, global publicly available data sources um, and see if they have done something wrong in last six to three months time period, right? Um, thankfully, so now we do have a data source since 2019, since we have started collecting uh, the data from all the public sources. Um, 
we can go back up to uh, 2019 easily. But uh, our focus usually is that uh, in the last three to six months, what have they done? If they have done something wrong, so we go back to them and say, well, uh, can you explain why this happened and what measures you have taken since then to rectify this problem um, and things like that. So uh, the audit usually right, is me, from the outside, not from the inside. Manners is a technical community that service providers, well, really any, any kind of organization with a public internet presence, can join and then undergo an audit from your folks that look at their peering and routing and advertising activity over the last few years to determine if they are following best practices and therefore trustworthy with regard to global routing. Insofar as any organization is going to make a mistake here and there because we are people. Um, And then that organization can in turn go to the rest of the world and say, we are a participant of manners and therefore are trustworthy 101 percent yes uh we do oh, believe 101 yes. percent i'm, I'm flattered <laughs> yes we do believe uh, i mean uh, that one person was for the last statement uh where you said well technology is gonna break yes that is the most important point it is it is things will go bad uh no matter how good your network is and we have seen it several times it is the most important bit is how quickly you identify the problem and you resolve it. Um, and initially, we used to say, well, you have to make sure that what you are doing on the internet, but now we also recommend network operators that uh, please make sure that you have some visibility of your network from outside as well. Um, uh, so use some tools which can give you what is what, what your network is doing from the outside perspective rather than just from the inside. So please have some eyes and ears Uh, looking at the routing table um, or using some tools which can help you provide this information. Oh, yeah. It's very clear to me that Manners is is certainly concerned with the technical, but is also very much concerned with the people part of this entire thing. So people, processes, workflows, team culture of a network operations team, and I guess a network security team as well. Now, does Manners uh, provide any internet resources, any actual infrastructure to help their participants in securing their networks and then securing their global routing footprint? Um, Of course, we do uh, rely on the infrastructure support from the Internet Society, uh, which is provided by them. Uh, So the infrastructure is provided by Internet Society. Uh, We do have our uh, training labs. Uh, One is in uh, Sydney, another one is in Zurich, uh, Switzerland. Um, So... Uh, and the the labs we provide to our participants just for the training purposes, uh, if they have any um, uh, gaps, if they have if they want to test something, of course we cannot replicate the uh, network of anybody else. Uh, but we do have uh, we do have uh, live internet feed, we do have peering, um, so they can test. Uh, I mean, if you if they're gonna break it, they break they're gonna break our lab infrastructure. So they are more than happy to do that. So uh, we do provide th- that kind of support uh, just to give them some uh, some level of uh, confidence that um, if you do this, um, it this will be the outcome. So they can test, they can try. We provide the training, we provide uh, tutorials, uh, live demos to help them. Uh, to help them understand better before they go back and implement it into their own networks. 
I mean, a lot of this conversation has kind of felt like it lent itself. It was oriented towards service providers. But I mean, I know from my own experience as an engineer, I've worked with some enterprise organizations, so not service providers, but that were so large, global, and with so many locations and so many end users that it really felt like we were running a service provider network in a lot of ways. So would you say that Manners is really more oriented toward the service provider space, or are you also trying to accommodate uh, folks in the enterprise world as well? Well, in, initially it was uh, we, targ- we, we target uh, the network operators or the ISPs, which you call it, um, uh, but uh, uh, because our, our point of view was, uh, and to some extent still is, uh, that if you secu- secure the bigger transits, uh, you s- you secure the blast radi- radius. You reduce the blast radius, right? Uh, so that was in e- was our initial target. So I'll make sure, well, the top ten or top uh, hundred or whatever uh, numbers we can come up with, uh, make sure that we can target them first, uh, bring them on board, uh, and make sure the, uh, the transit the the most of the transit provider across the globe are part of this initiative. And uh, uh, we have, um, to be very honest, we are very successful in that. Uh, we do have some of the largest operators joining. They have already joined us, and some are already um, in discussion for quite some time to join us uh, as well. So that is going really very well. But your point is absolutely correct. Some of the enterprises are, I mean, they some of them have more routers and more nodes in their network than some of the large uh, uh, network operators. So yes, that is important. To to have them on board is more important, and that's why we are renewing our efforts toward the enterprises. Um, we are trying to reach out to them. Uh, uh, of course, uh, what happens is most of the enterprises do not come to these network operators group events or other events. So now we are trying to reach out to them through uh, different associations. Um, uh, we, we are partnering with um, FSISAC um, or HSISAC for the uh, health industry and the financial industry um, and working with ISACA to make sure that uh, other cybersecurity folks uh, who are from the enterprise sector um, do uh, know that what what we are doing, what we are trying to achieve, achieve so that uh, they can participate as well. So yes, we are trying to ha- uh, to reach out to them, but um, yes, um, the the network is growing. Um, the internet is growing pretty fast. Yeah, that's an understatement. So uh, so so after I've been dug, where would you gentlemen say that we are in the adoption of these technologies in the greater community? And I'm, I'm specifically thinking about ROA and RPKI. Oh, I mean, you summed it so nicely. Um, the um, uh, and I, I was just looking at um, uh, the data while you were talking about it, and I, I just looked at it like, for example, Facebook, Google, um, uh, and uh, Netflix. Um, they, they, uh, if if you just look at uh, the uh, and even Amazon, if you just look at the uh, raw uptake of these organization, it is close to hundred percent. Yeah, I, I guess uh, I have a a glass half full uh, perspective on this, uh, given that this is uh, you know trying to improve global routing security is a really difficult thing. You have to have thousands of entities around the world all do something, and uh, and and also a lot of times the motivation they're they're. For them to implement RPI, ROV, to reject invalids, 
they're doing things that are going to benefit others. And so uh, that's even a harder sell sometimes uh, for them to uh, uh, allocate resources to just that's not going to necessarily uh, benefit them directly or at least uh, initially. But um, <clears throat> I guess there's been a lot of progress made in the uh, uh, ROV um, uh, world in the last couple of years. And so I wrote a couple of blog posts around that uh, that uh, I did with uh, Job Snyder's of Fastly um, looking at, you know, there's two steps to um, uh, RPKI ROV doing its job. Uh, step one is, are there uh, ROAs uh, created? So basically people who have created some sort of attestation that says that this is the correct state of the route of the routes. Um, by the numbers, they're very low. Like it's uh, maybe a third of the routes in the global routing table have ROAs uh, that are valid. Um, the analysis that we did uh, combining with some of the net flow from Kentic was that uh, you know, we could show that even if those were just a third of the routes, they actually are a lot, there's a lot of important companies that are doing this. And so it ends up being you know, over half of the traffic because uh, not every route pushes the same amount of traffic. And so that was um, uh, hopeful, uh, like a hopeful message that we, you know, we are um, maybe are further along than we thought if we're just counting routes because not every route pushes the same amount of traffic. And then the flip side is, you know, if a route becomes invalid, are we, is it getting filtered? And so then we can take, you know, at any given moment, there's a bunch of persistent uh, misconfigured routes that are RPI invalid and therefore getting filtered. And we can use those to study like uh, what what is the effect of, uh, of filtering at the moment. And again, you have a lot of uh, benefit created by the global backbone carriers, Aurelion, Cogent, NTT, who are, who are filtering invalid routes uh, really for the benefit of the rest of the internet. They don't necessarily benefit themselves, but um, we should appreciate the effort and engineering that went into this. But because of those black backbone providers are dropping invalids, that means that when somebody uh, does a routing leak, a big origination leak, any of those routes that had ROAs um, will be protected to some extent. And to use the phrase that Aftab used a minute ago about uh, reducing the blast radius, you the propagation of those bad routes gets uh, dramatically uh, reduced. That's That's present day. Uh, so it's not a solved problem, but we do have to take a moment and appreciate that we've we've come a long way, but there's plenty still to do. Aftab, do you have any uh, anything to add on that? Yeah, it, it has changed a lot in the last um, um, couple of year, um, years, or maybe I would say in a few months, uh, it has changed a lot. Uh, the only problem is I see uh, while looking at the data is... Uh, we are missing out on uh, on a lot of financial sector. So if they just jump on this one, well, we have most of the problems are resolved. So because most of the incident we see, which with mostly are of malicious intent, are towards the financial institutions. Um, but unfortunately, they are not looking at it. So that is the only missing point. Otherwise, um, uh, the big operators, uh, network operators, are implementing the route origin validation. And the uh, uh, the eyeball networks are implementing the uh, are creating the ROAs, um, so it is a really good match. But it's just the uh, the player in the middle, which are the health sector and the financial sector. Unfortunately, they are not looking at it at the moment in in a nice manner. I would say these are the companies that push most traffic 
So that's that's what that's what creates that. Um, if you look just bits per second going to where are they going? They're going to routes with valid ROAs. Uh, that's a good thing because that means that there's a potential for the RPK system to protect the traffic that's going there. Um, we didn't have that just a couple of years ago. So this is like a, a relatively new phenomenon. So gentlemen, I'm going to stop us here. Uh, we're getting close to an hour and uh, this has been a thoroughly enjoyable conversation. Aftab, thank you so much for joining. Uh, it's been really interesting to me uh, as, a, as a former engineer uh, from the technical side, of course, but also to learn about how uh, the people side of securing global routing is just so important and a focus for manners and that the organization exists in the first place to address this problem. So again, Aftab, thank you so much for joining. My pleasure. Thank you for the invite. Thank you. Thank you, Doug. Great. And so, Aftab, if folks would like to reach out to you online to ask a question or maybe if they have a comment, how can they do that? Well, I am um, mostly available on Twitter, uh, so they can reach out to me at, uh, at uh, Aftab Siddiqui. Um, or um, you can find my details on the Internet Society website, uh, which is siddiqui at isoc.org. Uh, so you can send me an email if you want to reach out. Great. Thanks. And Doug, always a pleasure. How can folks reach out to you online, again, with a question or a comment? Uh, I am still on Twitter uh, and uh, LinkedIn. Those are good ways to reach me. I also have an account on uh, Mastodon. Uh, just look up Doug Midori. Uh, I don't have any clever uh, Twitter handle. Uh, just my name. Great. Thanks, Doug. And you can find me on Twitter at network underscore Phil. I'm still active there. Uh, you can search my name on LinkedIn, Philip Gervasi. I'm all over the internet and my blog, networkphil.com. And uh, if you are interested in being a guest on the show, or if you have an idea for an episode, please reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, you can email us at telemetrynow at kentic.com. So until next time, thanks for listening. Bye-bye.